Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the vanity of riches as we pick up in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 3. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Yea, better is he both they which have not been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Again, I considered all of the travail and every right work, and for this man is envied of his neighbor. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. The fool folds his hands together and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both of your hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. There is a scripture that says a little that a righteous man has is more than the riches of many wicked. You know, you're better off with just a little and, and, and the Lord, the comfort, than having both hands full and being frustrated. Then I returned and I saw the vanity or the emptiness under the sun. There is one alone and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet there is no end of his labor. Even the man who doesn't have any children, he can't settle down and just enjoy what he has. He's got to keep on it. He's keep laboring. No matter how rich he is, he can't be satisfied. He can't relax and enjoy it. Here's one man alone. He has no child, no brother, no no one to inherit his wealth. And yet he can't get away from the grindstone. There's no end of all of his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with his riches. Neither says he, he doesn't consider, what am I saving all this money for? Who am I saving it for? Why am I saving it? Who am I going to leave it to when I die? And yet he's bound to it. He's, he's, he's digging for more and more and more. Striving, struggling, can't stop working, pushing, grinding in order to gain more. And yet he doesn't have anybody to leave it to. This also is vanity. It's a sore travail. Two are better than one because at least they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falls, for there's no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they can have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevails against him, two will be able to withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king. Look to those little kids. Hey, they're better off than I am. Poor, wise child than this old, foolish king who will no more be admonished. I I won't listen to anything anymore. No one can tell me anything. For out of prison he comes to reign, whereas also he that is born of his kingdom becomes poor. I consider all of the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead, and there is no end of all of the people, even of all that have been before them and of all that shall come after. They shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. It seems that life just goes on. There's, you know, multitudes before me. There's going to be multitudes after me. I'm just in the, you know, in the line here, but it's all so empty. Keep your foot when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not consider the evil that they do. When you go into the house of God, listen. 
be more ready to hear. Don't be rash with your mouth and let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and you are upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Now he's talking about going in and the house of God and making all kinds of promises and vows to God. Oh, God, I'm going to serve you. Oh, God, I'm going to put you first in my life. Oh, God, and making all these promises. Just, he said, keep your mouth shut. Don't do a lot of talking. Listen, for God is there. He's in heaven. He hears what you're saying. So don't be hasty to utter anything. For a dream comes through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of his words. Now, when you vow a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Don't allow your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. All of the broken promises that we have made to God because we didn't have enough sense to just listen and keep our mouths shut when we came into the house of God. And so we make these rash promises, these vows before the Lord, and then we break them. Better not to vow. You see, the vow always makes me feel better because I get sort of satisfied. Well, I promise God I'm going to give him everything, you know. All I have belongs to God. God, you can have it all. And, and I feel relieved of my guilt of amassing things because after all, it all belongs to God. I gave it to him. Now, he never has a chance to use it. But when I die, you know, who's it going to go to? Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Neither say you before the angel that it was an error. Oh, I didn't really mean that. Wherefore, why should God become angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and in many words, there is also diverse vanities. But reverence God, respect him. For if you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perverting of judgment and the justice in a province, marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regards and there be higher than they. God is higher than man. You see these things, just know that there's one who is higher. Moreover, the prophet of the earth is for all, and the king himself is served by the field. Now he that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Jesus said a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. If you love silver, you'll never be satisfied. If you love abundance, you'll never be satisfied by the abundance. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. So Solomon had more goods, but he had more people eating them. And what good is it to the owners thereof, except that you get to watch them eat, you know? I mean, I, I've got all of these goods, but it takes so many servants to keep all of these cattle. Kate takes so many shepherds to watch over all this. I got to feed them all. So I've got all this, but what good is it? All I can get is watch everybody eat it up, you know. All my wives and all my kids sitting there eating it all, and the servants all eating. So, so you have a lot, so what, you know? What good is it to you? You can only eat so much. 
You can only sleep in one bed. I mean, you know, you can only take care of your own needs. And after that, whatever you have, you just watch others eat it up. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of the rich won't allow him to sleep. Now, the guy who's out there laboring hard, hey, he really sleeps sound. But yet this guy that has so many riches, he's lying there in a the pillow. Now, tomorrow, I better, you know, take the stock out of that. Looks like it's going down. I better invest in this. Oh, I wonder, would that be wise, you know? And all night long, he's mulling over what he's going to be doing tomorrow to get more riches. And the abundance of his, his possessions won't allow him to sleep. He lies there, pounding the pillow all night long, figuring out. So how sweet is the sleep of the laboring man? There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail. And he begetteth the son, there is nothing in his hand. And as he came forth out of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. He shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. Man, when you die, you're not going to take anything with you. You're going to leave it all. And this is a sore evil. In all the points as he came, so he's going to go. So what profit has he of all that which he labored for to the wind? For all of the days he eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and wrath in his sickness. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all of his labor that he has taken under the sun all of the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his portion. In other words, enjoy it now because, man, that's your portion. That's it. Now, how different this is than what Jesus said concerning our riches. He said, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and decay, thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. There is a way by which you can transfer your treasures into eternal treasures. And Jesus encourages us towards that. You can exchange your currency for that which is current in heaven. Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life because God answers him in the joy of his heart. Now there is an evil which I have seen under the sun and it's common among men. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor so that he wants nothing for his soul of all that he desires. The, the guy doesn't want anything for his soul. Everything that he desires, he has. Yet God gives him not the power to eat thereof. But a stranger eats it. This is vanity and an evil disease. A guy who has everything but, but can't partake of it. If a man begets a hundred children, and he lives many years, so that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he has no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. It, it, the guy is better off if he was, if he was uh, really aborted rather than to live and have a hundred children 
and, and to, you know, live a long life. For he comes in with vanity and he departs in darkness and his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he hath not seen the sun nor known anything. This hath more rest than the other. Even though he lives to be a thousand years twice or 2,000 years old, yet he hath seen no good do not all go to one place. All of the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet his appetite is not filled. All you do, you know, all your labor, just to feed yourself, but yet you're always hungry. All of the labor of a man for his mouth, yet he's not full. For what hath the wise more than the fool? What hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? Better in the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the desire. This also, though, is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which hath been is named already, nothing new. And it is known that it is man. Now, neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. Yet we find so many men seeking to contend with God. The prophet said, Woe unto him who strives with his maker. And yet people are striving with God. Our striving with God usually results from a tragic experience in life where we do not understand why God allowed a certain tragedy or grief to befall our lives. And because I cannot understand why God allowed this to happen, I become bitter against God. There are a lot of people today who are fighting with God. They're angry with God. They're bitter against God. It's because their lives have not worked out to their desire. It's because God hasn't given to them all that they want or all that they feel, or that God has allowed something to happen to them which seems to be tragic. Now, somehow, I think that God should only allow good things to happen to me. Somehow, I feel that God ought to keep me healthy all the time, never sick. I believe that God ought to make me a very prosperous person. I believe that God ought to make me very beautiful. And if I am flawed in any of this area, then I blame God. God, why did you make me so ugly? God, why did you allow this to happen to me? God, why? And, and I am blaming God and finding fault with God because he hasn't followed what I feel to be the ideal pattern for my life. So a man contends with God. But, verse 12, who really knows what is good for man in this life? Who really knows whether it's better that you be rich or poor? You really know what's best for you? Now, you think it would be best for you to be rich, but is that so? If you are rich, will that take your heart and mind away from God? Will it cause you to trust in your riches? Will it diminish your trust in him and your love for him? Will you be drawn away by the diver's lust? 
that they that are rich fall into? Will your heart be turned from God to your possessions? Who knows? Do you know what riches would do for you? And yet you're striving with God, you're contending with God because you're not rich. Because you have these financial woes. But God may know. I don't know. Maybe God has to keep me poor so that I'll continue to trust in Him. I'll continue to rely upon Him day by day for my provisions. Who knows what is good for man? Is it better for me that I be healthy or I be sick? Evidently for Paul the Apostle, it was better that he be sick. When he asked God to remove his infirmity, God said, hey, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. So Paul said, I glory in my weakness that the power of God might be revealed in me. Is it better for me that I be weak so that I have to trust in God, that I don't have the reliance in myself, but I've learned to just trust in God completely and thus I know the strength of God? Or is it better that I feel strong and self-sufficient and then get wiped out because I'm really very weak when it comes to my flesh and things of my flesh? What is better for me? Who really knows? I don't know my own heart. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. God knows. God knows what is best for me. That is why it is so wrong for me to contend with God when he doesn't do for me what I think he ought to be doing. When he doesn't give to me those things that I feel I need and desire. And so I begin to contend with God. Because God, you know how I desire a little portion. It's not fair, God, that you don't give it to me. Oh, I think that would be so good for me. And God knows that it would wipe me out. It would swell me up in pride. It would make me think that I was really something that I'd, you know, goes cornering and everything else to show and, and probably get in a fatal accident trying to show off in the thing, you know. And God knows what's best for me. But I would desire this God and oh, I'm angry with God. I'm contending with God because he doesn't do for me the little goodies that I want him to do. But he knows what's best for me. I don't. I don't. Who knows what is good for man in this life? all the days of his vain life, which he spends as a shadow. Life is short, days, measured by days. Life apart from Christ is empty. Life apart from Christ lacks real meaning or substance. It's a shadow, all of the days of his vain shadow. And who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? Who knows? What's going to be after you? Who knows what's going to follow? Who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? Who knows what the future holds? Who knows what the result of it is going to be in your life? Only God knows. Therefore, rather than contending with God, I need to submit myself to God who knows all things. And rather than fighting and contending because he's not doing things my way, I need to just 
submit and yield my life into his hand, into his wisdom, for he knows what is best for me. And even the sorrow or the tragedy that I might be experiencing today, God is using for my good. Even the sickness or the suffering that I might be experiencing now, God is working his eternal purpose through it. The day will come when I will bless God for this hardship rather than cursing him as I am prone to do when things don't go right. The day comes when you bless God and thank God for the disappointments because you see how God was working out a plan that you couldn't understand best that I just yield. And here is my life, God. As you see fit, you know what's best. Work in me your perfect plan. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Ecclesiastes on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Ecclesiastes 2 through 4 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we thank you that we have Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and may we walk in its light, Lord, that we might be instructed in the ways of righteousness and truth, and that we might come into thy fullness. Lord, hide now thy word in our hearts. As we see life under the sun, the emptiness of it, the futility of it, may we seek to experience life in the sun. In his name we pray, amen. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, 
where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.